Want flexibility? Take yoga. Want flexibility with your health insurance? Check out United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly medical, dental, and vision coverage that may be right for you. More at UH1.com. He koonai pūrangi tēnei nā te reo irirangi o Aotearoa. He was re- very friendly with a lot of fellow cops. Ah. Um, he was known as a family man. He'd been married for more than 20 years, had two kids. You know, just, um, you know, this kind of run-of-the-mill, you know, good guy cop, or so everyone thought. Welcome to Crimes NZ, hosted by me, Jesse Mulligan. In this episode, we're heading north to hear about crooked cop Michael Blowers. In 2014, the former police detective was sent to prison for five years after pleading guilty to a raft of drug-related offences. What made this case stand out is that the drugs he was selling were stolen from the police exhibit room. RNZ's Charlie Drever was a reporter in Northland at the time. So Michael Blowers was actually really respected um, member of the Whangarei community. Um, he was a police officer for more than 20 years um, and about 15 of those was in the Organised Crime Unit, which is um, basically another name for uh, the drug squad. And he held the position of Detective Sergeant and was actually the officer in charge of the Organised Crime Unit at the time of this offending. And he was responsible for carrying out raids against drug manufacturers and suppliers. And this but this also meant that um, in this role, he was allowed access to the basically the police storerooms where they'd keep these confiscated mm. drugs. Um, but outside of you know his job, he was really heavily involved in the community. He had a pivotal role in the local soccer club, and he was re- very friendly with a lot of fellow cops. Ah. Um, he was known as a family man. He'd been married for more than twenty years, had two kids. You know, just um, you know, this kind of run-of-the-mill, you know, good guy cop, or so everyone thought. Yeah, and the court case was in 2014, but the offending was a few years earlier. Yeah, that's right. So um, it was about uh, it was mid 2011, between June and um, June 2012, um, and it was actually while Blowers was still employed in that senior position, um, and. In fact, he actually kept that position until only about a few weeks before his his arrest. Um, Obviously, the cards were on the table, so he resigned. And then a few weeks later, he was arrested for theft of controlled drugs, supplying a Class A controlled drug, uh, which was methamphetamine. So how was he doing it? What was he doing? Uh, So he had, as I mentioned before, he had access to these lockers that... um, you know, it kept the confiscated drugs. So um, for people who aren't familiar with the Whangarei police station, there's basically two separate storerooms. Um, one is an internal storeroom, uh, and it essentially worked like a letterbox system where police could drop off evidence, um, class A drugs like methamphetamine. And then there was a second bulk storeroom, which was actually outside of the police station, where you'd keep bigger items, such as, you know, bags of cannabis, for example. Um and because this was outside the police office, what Blowers was doing was actually transferring the meth from the internal one out into the external um, drug locker. And then he could essentially take it out of that without prying eyes and then being able to um, pass those drugs on to someone else to sell on. 
And that's where Mrs. or Ms. A comes in. Yes, so uh, we're going to refer to her as Ms. A because um, she continues to have name suppression. Um, But adding to, uh, you know, this offending, um, Blowers, who was known as a family man, was actually having an affair with a woman um, who, again, Ms. A, um, and she was being regularly given methamphetamine, she says, um, by Blowers um, for her to then sell on to a criminal contact. Contact. So each time that, um, you know, he would provide her with methamphetamine, apparently he'd query her about how much he could make from each sale. Apparently it's about a gram each time that he'd supply her. And then he'd constantly pressure her, she says, for cash from those sales and then advising her that, you know, he was under financial pressure at home and he really needed these sales to, to go through. Um, but he'd, he'd had this relationship with her for quite a while and the police were aware of this. So Back in 2002, he was actually told to stop having contact with her. Um, that obviously didn't happen, and their relationship actually went on to be part of a uh, internal police investigation in 2011. Any sense of what that financial pressure he was under was caused by? What was going on? No, it, it's not really clear. I think it was just more, um, you know, financial pressure at home. I, I think it was all part of his um, just pressuring the the uh, mise to keep selling the drugs, and um, she actually ended up. Um, owing him a lot of money um, by the time they got caught, um, which would later come up in the court case. Okay, so he's got a pretty good scheme here. Mm. Um, pretty hard to detect what he's up to, but actually uh, it led to another case collapsing. So what happened there? Yeah, so in October 2011, um, police executed the search warrant at the Burgundy Rose Motel um, on Camel Road. And during that, about 58 grams of methamphetamine were seized. Um, of that 58 grams, a small sample was then taken to um, ESR where they analysed it and they found that it was actually um, you know, very pure. I think it was about 70% from memory. Um, and then the rest of it, about 56 grams, were then transferred to another smaller bag. So um, the original bag could be, you know, analysed for fingerprints, for, you know, evidence. And um, that bag that the rest of it got, um, you know, passed on to ended up being about 56 grams. So they lost about two grams um, going to ESR. Um, But then um, Blowers got hold of that package, that 56 gram of methamphetamine, Mm. um, transferred it from the internal um, police locker out to the external one. Uh, And at this point... um, Blowers then took about 34 grams of that meth from the larger, you know, the larger quantity and replaced yeah. it with rock salt. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so it would still turn up that it was meth, but obviously uh, a lot less potent with 36 or 34 grams rather of rock salt. Uh, and then he returned the bag, um, you know, containing the mixture of meth and rock salt um, to the original drugstore um, to then just, dis- you know, dis- disguise the theft. Um what happened next was a fluke. Due to the storage, um, when the case went to trial, um, they ended up retesting that bag and found that there was significantly uh, less meth in it and a lot more wow. rock salt. <laughs> yeah, it was a it was a complete fluke. High levels of sodium and, yeah, <laughs> and a yeah. little bit of iodine. Yeah, either way, not great for your health. Uh, but <laughs> yeah, so um, unfortunately, though, this case had gone to trial and it actually meant that the um, the case fell over.
because the evidence had clearly been tampered with um, and it meant that two very prominent drug dealers in Whangarei essentially got to walk away scot-free. Oh boy, but yeah. then I'm imagining that Michael Blowers is feeling rather self-conscious at this point because some pretty awkward questions would start getting asked. Yeah, especially because he'd left a paper trail. <laughs> uh, so, you know, to to be able to transfer... From one um, storeroom to another, you'd need to have a paper trail, and obviously the paper trail led back to blowers. Oh, can you explain that to me? So he wasn't sneaking it from one to the other. He was he was transferring it by legitimate yeah. means. Yeah, legitimate means, although it was, it's kind of questionable because it is a it does raise a few eyebrows because usually your Class A drugs would end up um, going into that internal storage room because they're much smaller compared to the, you know, your bulk bags of cannabis. But he said he needed to do work in that storeroom, did the paperwork, and then put it back. So it was a little bit, it would raise eyebrows, but not enough, um, you know, to warrant thinking that maybe he's stealing it. But then mm. when they retested it, it, it became clear that something had happened got it, to okay. that to that evidence. Yeah. You've got M blowers written next to all yeah. of the major movements. <laughs> so all over it. <laughs> yeah, pretty close. So any idea how much money he was making out of the scheme? Uh, we have a bit of an idea. So um, uh, obviously in the thousands, um, we actually have a bit of a breakdown in the summary of facts of the case um, that went through court. So the largest single amount in one go that Mizay had paid to blowers was about seven grand um and that that's just one go so there would have been other mm. payments um that were smaller than that but obviously still in the thousands um and mise was you know unable to keep up with the amount of money uh that blowers was asking for again you know stating those uh, pressures that he was under yeah um and it's uh, she estimates that um she ended up owing him about 20 grand so that gives you a bit of an idea of the the type of money that he was making Okay, what happens at the trial? So he denies everything. Um, he says, no, it's not me. It's, you know, her word against mine. Um, and it was actually quite sad going to the trial because you saw his family there who were all supporting him, believed him 100%. Um, you know, members of the soccer club, you know, oh, a lot no. of them. Actually, yeah. And a lot of them actually um, gave references for him as well. And like his, you know, contribution to the community, even fellow police officers believed him and were turning up there to support him. Wow. Yeah, he, he, you know, just lying to them. And they did. They believed him because, you know, he had 20-plus years in the police, um, you know, you know, thought he was a good guy. And um, the court was getting ready for a two-week trial, possibly three weeks, because there was quite a lot of witnesses. Um, there were about 40 witnesses in total, which were including police officers, um, and they were going to have to give evidence essentially against one of their own. And one of the really tricky things about this is it's clear that someone had done it who had you know access to the storage room. So if it's not blowers, it kind of turns into a bit of a who done it, yeah. you know. Um, and these police officers, you know, they're not on trial, but essentially you kind of are because if it's not blowers, it's someone else who had access to it. Um, but luckily for them, it didn't get to that because about day two of the trial, um, it became very clear that there was some evidence that was going to come up that, um, you know, he, he just wasn't going to win. So he folds and pleads guilty. 
um, obviously much to the shock of his supporters, um, who were finding out through the guilty plea. Um, and there was also a charge relating to cannabis that was dropped as a result. And also a guilty plea means that you get a discount on your sentence as well. So when it became clear that he wasn't going to win, um, I guess the logical thing for him to do was to come clean. I imagine that the community of uh, Whangarei police officers is fairly small. Everyone would know everyone and it would be a pretty high-trust environment. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, Whangarei, even though it's a city, it's very close-knit. And then even more so when you look at the, you know, policing community as well. Um, yeah, and this really divided police officers at the time because, you know, there's those giving evidence against him, but many believed that Blowers was innocent right up until the summary of facts were read out um, and it became clear that he'd been lying to them through his teeth. Um, and, you know, this guy had been friends with them, trusted them for years, um, you know, gone to barbecues, to, you know, families seeing each other, you know, it's just, he, he was a friend to a lot of people. Um, so many people, even when the guilty plea came out, didn't want to believe that had actually done this. Um, and, you know, going back through this case and talking to people, some people said to me that this is actually still a sore point for them, still eight years on. Wow. Um, it just really upset them. And I remember even um, going to the police station after the sentences, uh, for the sentencing, sorry, um, for a press conference. Um, and I'd, I, you'd go to the police station often as a regional reporter. I don't know if this still happens um, nowadays, but back then you used to go for daily police uh, briefings where they'd tell you what happened overnight and, you know, it was quite friendly. But I remember going in after the sentencing and it was just, oh, it was just so tense. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I just, you felt quite uncomfortable. Everyone was really on edge. Um, and I remember as well, um, the Northland District Commander, Superintendent uh, Russell Lepro, he summed it up really well saying that, you know, the colle his colleagues had taken his crumbs personally. You know, he screwed over other police officers who, um, you know, did whose case fell over because of him. Um, and he said, you know, each officer will have um, their own thoughts and feelings, but um, at the end of the day, we can agree that it hurts when someone is like uh, someone like this is convicted. Um, so I think that summed up the feeling pretty well. Um, yeah, so it was just, yeah, really tough for the policing community at that time. Yeah, I guess we're lucky to live in a country where cases like this are relatively rare. Yeah, yeah, this this rarely happens. Um, <laughs> but actually, by coincidence, um, there'd actually been another case just a week prior to Blower's um, sentencing uh, where an Auckland ex-cop had just been jailed for eight years for drug-related offending. His name was uh, uh, Peter Paco. And Paco's offending happened when he was on duty and wearing a police uniform. Uh, and on several occasions, he'd also used um, marked police vehicles. Uh, so <laughs> it was just this, it was just this combination, this absolute PR nightmare for the police. Um, and you know, it, it it sparked a lot of internal investigations as well. And I think as a result of that, a lot of changes were made about how things were handled. Yeah. So did Blowers ever? say anything in his own defence or, or try and explain his actions? Yeah, so before he pled guilty, um, you know, it, it, you know, it was like it was Mizay's fault. Um, but then afterwards, he claimed that the gangs were pressuring him to do this and he was worried for the safety of his family. Um, but at the sentencing, um, the judge, he, he quickly ruled that out. Um, 
and uh it was it was quite interesting actually it was pretty um i actually have the uh, the judge's uh, quote here. He said yeah. to say, he had to say, I have to say, Mr. Blowers, um, that ex- aspect of your explanation does you no credit. So that's pretty brutal. Uh, in judge terms, he said, you're a senior police officer. You know and would have been well aware of the resources available to the police. You and your family could have been protected. Uh, this inference is that uh, he said the real reason you took the drugs was because your relationship with Mize and in order to make money. And if you and your family had genuinely been threatened by gangs, there were steps the police could and would have taken to protect you. And importantly, your family and you know that. So um, very formal uh, language there, but... Um, in terms of judges speak, that's that's pretty brutal <laughs> that he um, did not believe that excuse whatsoever. Yeah. What happened at sentencing? Uh, so um, because he pled guilty, even though he pled guilty during his trial, he actually got a discount on his sentence um, and he got four years, nine months. Um, and because, obviously, the Peter Paco case as well, they wanted um, to make a bit of a example of him as well. Uh, and, yeah, he went away. And um, I remember the uh, his uh, defence lawyer, Arthur Fairley, coming out saying, you know, that he felt terribly for the community. He felt terribly for his family because his family stuck by him through all this. Mm. Um, I think that was the, the part that was probably the most upsetting Um that yeah, his family stood by him, his his in laws stood by him, um, and he was sentenced yeah to four years nine months imprisonment. Um, if you do the math, he's he's out now actually, yeah. uh, and it, it's my understanding that he's actually um, been paroled back in Whangarei and is now working in the trades. Um, obviously, he won't be returning uh, to the police force um, given uh, what's happened. Yeah, and no doubt has lost a lot of what he had before he started committing those crimes. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, yeah, as I said before, he was an absolute um, pillar of the community. Um, in the references that were provided to him by the local soccer club, um, you know, they were saying that he had a really positive in- influence on the youth of Whangarei. Um, you know, before this as well, you'd see him quoted in the media about the big drug raids that they'd done and the the drugs that they'd recovered it was just the ultimate fall from grace from this police officer and it, it's still being felt now in the Whangarei community um yeah it was uh, very upsetting um but yeah very filled of drama and definitely a very memorable case thanks for listening to crimes nz with me jesse mulligan and a special thanks to Charlie Drever for recalling that case. Charlie doubles as producer of Crimes NZ, along with Melita Tull, Sam Hollis and Ayana Piper-Helian. Thanks also to Liz Garten and executive producer of RNZ Podcasts, Tim Watkin. Find all RNZ's podcasts on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio or wherever you get your podcasts. Head over to Hulu this March, where our new shows and movies will keep you streaming all month long. Catch the acclaimed movie, All of Us Strangers, starring Paul Mescal and Andrew Scott. Stream the new Hulu original limited series, We Were the Lucky Ones, with Joey King and Logan Lerman. And don't forget about Grey's Anatomy. Every Grey's episode ever is now streaming on Hulu. So, what are you waiting for? 
Go stream something new on Hulu.